When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls coverage show. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am joined by my good buddy here and co-host Trey Hill. And we are going to break down another Bulls loss for you here. Uh, I believe that's the third one in the row for third one in a row for the Bulls that we've dropped. Uh, but you know what? I'm actually not this, that upset at this time, Trey. I uh, I'm actually I'm pretty happy with the effort that we put forth. Um, and we'll talk about it, you know, all the different things I saw there. But uh, general sentiment, how did how did tonight make you feel? It's a little bit of a heartbreaker, I think, but it didn't it didn't. Uh, I'm not super disappointed. What do you think? Not at all. It was. I mean, it really showed where the Bulls are lacking in size. The the Celtics, the two big lineup, they really punished the Bulls on that end and. Having as many players out as the Bulls did, especially, you know, kind of like the defensive specialists, I think that really showed a lot on the defensive end. A lot of times it seemed like guys didn't know who they were supposed to be guarding. There was a lot of scrambling trying to figure it out. There was that one play where Al Horford was open for like five seconds right underneath the basket, and they just missed him. But overall, the effort was good. Vucevic, I thought, had an excellent game overall, and... Io came out after having a dud of a game against the Warriors and had a really strong showing as oh, yeah. in that point guard role. So I, I thought yeah. it was an excellent game, really, for the Bulls, given the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to break it all down for you here, guys, on the Sports Ethos Bulls show. Uh, but listeners, please take a moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. It's the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it now. And, yeah, um, you know, Ayodosumu, we can't uh, discount what this guy did in a role that he really isn't, hasn't played for us this season. He hasn't really played a lot of point guard. He's been more of a shooting guard, small forward on our team. But tonight he got to play some point guard. Uh, and he del- he more than delivered. Obviously, he, sh- he shot 9 or 10 from the field. So, uh, you know, Better than you can probably expect on most nights. Uh, 21 points, it's another career high for for him, his first 20-point game uh, in the NBA. Just incredible stuff. Three of three from beyond the arc. Uh, Ten assists, though. That's the thing that really sticks out to me. And again, you know, this is him stepping into uh, a point guard role that he hasn't really 
uh, done all season. And only one turnover. So that's a 10 to one assist to turnover ratio, which is incredible by any measure, uh, you know, of, of, an, of a point guard in the NBA. Uh, and this kid, he's a rookie, man. So I'm I'm pretty pumped for, uh, you know, the future of Io. I, I don't know. This guy's starting to become maybe more and more untouchable for me as far as like, uh, you know, if, if we were looking to make a move for trade bait. I, I don't know if I could do that now. What do you think? I, I'm right there with you. The the strides he just continues to show and the growth from the st- you know from the start of the season to now he he's just a completely different player out there. He's he's realizing what he can accomplish on the court at the NBA level, and I think it's showing. You know I I'm from Illinois. I love Illinois basketball. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's showing how much better Io is whenever he has really talented players around him and uh really ever since Bradley Beal in that Wizards game where Beal told him to be more decisive and you know they joked after the game about he did it immediately that shows I think how quick he is to learn things and to adapt them and ever since then I feel like he's been as soon as he gets the ball he's been decisive he's he's driving like immediately when he gets the ball if he's going to the hoop he's going to the hoop immediately and it's putting defenses, you know, kind of on their heels because when you have DeMar and you have Vooch and they're getting those soft doubles or even those hard doubles, defenses are having to come and rotate over. And Io's been making them pay relentlessly. And I think tonight was really the – the 10 assists are great. The way he got them was even better to me. It was – he would attack, the he would attack, but – it seemed like he was processing the game at a really high level and he knew where he was going to be. You know, he knew when he drove the defense was going to rotate this way and it was going to open up this pass. And then he made those passes. And I've spent enough time crapping on the aisle season. So let's give him his uh, just do here. Nikola Vucevic, um, you know, really kept us in this game, had an incredible game on both ends of the floor, defense and offense. Um, didn't feel like the Celtics really uh, tried to you know, expose him too much in the pick and roll. They were more, interested in getting Tatum, you know, looks in the mid range and then getting Jalen Brown, those secondary looks when, when people helped out to Tatum and stuff like that. So um, I don't think they necessarily tried to take advantage of him on the defensive end. So he was allowed to play kind of his best defensive role, which is just being, you know, a rim protector, uh, you know, dropping to the rim, being, being just a, a force that's, you know, going to make them take a shot. That's a little bit more uncomfortable for them. So I thought he did well on really both on both ends, 27 points for Rooch tonight. 12 of 20 shooting, two of seven from beyond the arc. Uh, not incredible, but that's okay. You know, he's a center. We'll take it. Obviously, we wish there was one more, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Uh, six assists, though, which is really nice. Uh, only six rebounds. The Bulls did get out-rebounded, uh, and you did mention that trade, but they got out-rebounded 56 to 38. Um, so just absolutely decimated on the boards. And they had 17 offensive rebounds. And it was just, um, I mean, it was mildly frustrating. But like you said, there's really not much we can do about it with so many people out. I mean, Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr., uh, you know, they're, they're all going to help with these with with the rebounding uh, aspect of this. So without having them in the lineup, and obviously Patrick Williams too, without having them in the lineup, um, you know, who we we can't really. I mean, we're relying on Demar Derozan to grab you know as many rebounds as he did tonight. He grabbed eight of them, uh, which just isn't ideal, right? Not at all. And they they did seem to do a a decent job of kind of at least moving Vucevic away from the boards and then capitalizing on the fact that the Bulls just had no size down there whatsoever. Um, A lot of those Tatum shots in the like uh, I saw a few drives and 
he, you know, he was able to get towards the rim when Vucevic wasn't down there. And I, I wish he would like, I hate that he missed that wide open three at the end of Mm -hmm. the game, along with, he was the one who got the foul to give Robert Williams those free throws there at the end, because it was just such a, a poor way for what I thought was, you know, one of his stronger games this year. And to me, watching the game, I thought, you know, I had it written, I had written down. I thought Vucevic kept us in this game and those Tony Bradley minutes killed us. But what else were we, you know, we had to play and we didn't have any size, but I, I had that written down. And then if you look at the plus minus stats, Vucevic was minus 10 and Tony Bradley was plus eight. So I guess that's how those numbers can lie. Yeah, I think the Bulls, you know, I think they will be active in the margins around the around uh, around the time that the buyout market happens. And I think that's, you know, what we talked about, Daniel Greenberg. Um, and I do think that's what the Bulls are going to look at. And I think that upgrading over Tony Bradley is probably going to be a priority for them at this point. I just think it's been proven time and again that um, while Tony Bradley is a good player for most levels, I just think that it's a little bit of a step back whenever he's on the floor uh, compared to what we're used to. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go out and get a, a center um, that gets cut somewhere. Uh, just a guy that has size and that can rebound. The rebounding is really going to be the, the biggest thing. Like uh, you know, maybe Tristan Thompson ends up getting cut free uh, from the uh, Kings or something like that. So I could see them adding a guy like that just to um, upgrade. I, I, there's no better word for it. upgrade over, over Tony, Tony Bradley. And you know, I like Tony Bradley. He's, he seems like a good guy. Um, just, like you said, we, we got crushed in those minutes tonight. I was looking specifically to see how that bench was going to look. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I've just haven't been super impressed with Tony Bradley. How about you? I haven't either. And like you said, Tony Bradley's, he's been fine for what he's been asked to do, but when you're wanting to be a title contending team, you, you want to have a little bit more and maybe, maybe the bulls can find somebody that's a little bit undersized for that five role. And then they can be the backup center and Tony Bradley could be our break in case of emergency big backup. We're in a game like tonight, you know, when the, the Celtics are throwing out Al Horford and Robert Williams. If Tony Bradley wasn't the only backup big, the Bull, you know, Billy Donovan could have experimented with some Vooch and Tony Bradley minutes together side by side just to kind of combat that rebounding advantage the Celtics were, t- were just, you know, abusing us with. So... To me, I feel like Tony Bradley could still find a role on the Bulls as as just like that extra big guy to have. Because if you run into the Bucks, you know, in the postseason and they're playing Giannis and Lopez and all those bigs, it's nice to have those, you know, those legit 6'10", 6'11", 7-footers to throw out there. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know. You're playing against a Gobert type or or an Embiid type. I mean, he is a, he is definitely the ideal kind of guy to have as, um, like you said, maybe a maybe a second stringer, borderline second stringer, third 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 round, you know, third string guy, uh, third big off the bench or something like that. But uh, so you know, I hope he does stick around. But uh, I do think that they're going to be active and looking for somebody else. So you know, a couple of questions I had going into this game. Um, I definitely you know the first thing was fifth game in seven nights. What's what's the energy level going to look like? I think, you know, if I was to give a grade for the Bulls for energy level tonight, A-plus, man. Like, you know, they gave everything they could. Um, hustle plays. I, you know, even though the the Celtics outboarded them, and that's something that I complained about the last couple of games, the ways that it happened weren't just for lack for lack of effort. It was because um, simply the ball was just in places where they couldn't get to, and, and the size of, of the Celtics just really gave them problems. So I think that they made the efforts to get there. 
Um, they just did had a you know a disadvantage there. And I know we, were, we already kind of talked about that. I also was looking at the point of attack and defense, which we talked about you know last episode. Uh, it's just been absolutely terrible. So I wanted to see it tonight. Uh, looked pretty good, man. I mean, you know, I don't know exactly what we did differently. I, I can't point pinpoint that you know exactly, but I thought it was improved tonight. What do you think, Trey? Oh, it was definitely better. the The effort level was there. And honestly, Boston doesn't set nearly as good of screens as, like, the Warriors do. And the Nets game, it was pretty close until the second half, and then they went on that run. But the Warriors were the team that really blew us out. But they, the Warriors set such excellent screens. They have such excellent playmakers that I feel like they – even – I'm not disagreeing that the effort level was better, but I feel like the Warriors are just a much better team to take advantage of the Bulls being this shorthanded, whereas the Celtics, they're they're a defensive-oriented team. They're an ISO-oriented team with Tatum and Brown. You, you, you know what you're going to get against them. And so I, I think coming in, just having that effort level being as high as it was, the Celtics aren't an offense that's built to take advantage of a team being shorthanded like this. Yeah, like I said, you know, I I was kind of surprised they didn't do what you know the other three teams that have beaten us have done, and just just you know continuously put Vooch in the in the pick and roll. That just didn't happen. Uh, like you said, it's more ISO plays for for Tatum and for uh, Jalen Brown, uh, and you'll have Jalen Brown spotting up off of Tatum ISO plays. So, uh, man, those Celtics, uh, yeah, I, I, they got to figure some stuff out too on their end. Uh, uh, it was a winnable game, I think, right? <laughs> it was, and. I think the Celtics didn't do that because they were playing Robert Williams a lot. And mm-hmm. with, as, lo- as long as the guards were willing to, or whoever was guarding Tatum and Brown, as long as they were willing to fight over the screens, mm. if you're playing, if you're, if Vucevic is guarding Robert Williams, he can drop as far as he needs to. Mm. And so well, it, well, was, it was a lot harder to take advantage of, I thought. They could have run it with uh, with Horford, though, who has a decent outside shot. He's not the best. He's, a, he's got a good mid-range shot. So I think... I think they could have done it. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah, I just meant the, the Bulls, try. I, I noticed they made a point to have Vucevic guarding Lankford, and I think that was part of the reason why. So he wasn't getting exposed trying to recover out to that three-point line. Yeah. Um, so maybe a bit of adjustment there. I was actually, you know, and, and to give a guy a flowers that I've been kind of down on recently, Billy Donovan, uh, I was really impressed with the rotations tonight, despite being shorthanded. I think he did a, an excellent job staggering Kobe White uh, with with uh, DeMar DeRozan, with Vucevic, with Io, uh, with the people that were going going off. And then, of course, we got to talk about Sir Malcolm Hill, uh, another Illini guy that played tonight, uh, just showed some incredible stuff, especially on the defensive end. Um, but what I want to point out with that is that, you know, he received 18 minutes and Troy Brown Jr. only got 13 and I think that was definitely the right call in the moment. I think Billy Donovan just rode with Malcolm Hill because he's like what he saw out there on the defensive end. Malcolm Hill was out there uh, playing for his life. I mean, you know, he's on a 10-day contract. He's he's literally giving it all his all. Uh, he gave every single bit of effort he could on the defensive end, made some big plays, took a couple of really huge charges. Um, you know, he's trying to stick on, on a roster somewhere, maybe not with the Bulls, but, but somewhere in the league. And uh, I think Billy Donovan really took advantage of that tonight. I thought that was a good good move on his part. Yeah, he definitely rode the hot hand with Hill, and the momentum was there for him from the beginning. And he he had that great charge that was, you know, maybe not a charge, but we'll take the call against Tatum. That was great late. Um, really played pretty solid defense the entire time he was out there. It is a bad sign for Troy Brown Jr. that he was able to get more minutes than him. But 
I mean, in the minutes Brown was in, he did get three rebounds and assists and a steal. So at least he was also being active yeah. on the boards. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So to me, I, I have a soft spot for Troy Brown Jr. I, I would like to see him get a little some more minutes. Um, mm. Like Matt Tom, like Thomas, I'd love for him to get some of Thomas's minutes. I think 17 is just a, a little much for him. Mm. But, you know, I'm, I'm no NBA coach. I just – I have a soft spot for Troy Brown Jr. I don't want to. I don't want to get rid of Gafford for nothing. No, TBJ. Uh, you know, he 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 played well. Uh, I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm not, I'm not saying he didn't play well. I just think that Malcolm Hill was out there uh, being more impactful on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's what Donovan really needed, and I think it was smart of him to ride that. Um, but you know, I, I and think he brought uh, him in. He brought him in in crunch time. It was yeah. what four four and a half minutes left, I think, and he called on Hill, and Hill came in and delivered. Yeah. And uh, and I was curious to see how they were going to defend Tatum because, you know, obviously we had problems with uh, Andrew Wiggins and we have problems. Um, and I'm spacing on this now with uh, another big guy uh, the game before Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kevin Durant and uh, Andrew Wiggins. We had problems with those guys just because of their length and we just have nobody that can literally guard them. So I was curious to see how we handle Tatum tonight. I thought we did pretty, pretty decently. Uh, you know, Tatum only shot eight of 24 from the field, uh, scored 23 points, but, you know, just not effective, uh, not efficiently. Uh, and, and, you know, this is um, take a second to talk about the Celtics here. This is something I just I just think some of Jason Tatum's decision making when it comes to having the basketball in his hands is really questionable. So I think the Bulls lucked out a little bit, too. Uh, I'm not going to say that they did like a, a really fantastic job guarding Tatum, but I think they did an effective job. They did much better than they did against um Durant in against Wiggins. Do you agree? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. I, I kind of thought we'd see Io on him a little bit more than he was. Mm. But yeah, he started the uh, game guarding him. But then um, Troy Brown Jr. took over. Uh, we had some Malcolm Hill on him. I mean, we, we threw different bodies at him. Same kind of thing we did with uh, with Durant and uh, not necessarily with Wiggins, but with Durant, we kind of threw different different looks at him. Um, so I don't know if it's maybe just something that that Billy was doing. I think it was. It had to be something he was doing on purpose, just trying to give him different looks, right? Yeah, especially a guy like Tatum, who's such a rhythm player. You want to try and take him out of his rhythm, and I, I think they did. Like you, you already mentioned, they did a good job of doing that. Um, another Kobe game, shot eight of twenty-four from the floor. So anytime you can get somebody who's a, you know, an all-star caliber player shooting that poorly from the field. That that's obviously ideal. He was able to get 12 rebounds though, mm-hmm. so he he did take advantage of being able to crash the boards. Yeah. Uh, against you know just a a small team. We're down so many big you know, bit not not necessarily big guys, but just our wings and you know six five six 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 seven guys. And Tatum really took advantage of the boards on that one. Four offensive rebounds. And three of those came in the second half. I actually wanted to filter because we just got access to the uh, quarter by quarter, half by half stats here. He had uh, three of those off of the those offensive rebounds in the second half, uh, which is where I felt he was more effective. And he ter- stopped trying to be because he only shot nine of those uh, 24 shots in the second half. He stopped trying to be the guy taking all these shots, and he actually you know 
for one, he, he he grew a brain for a minute and said, hey, wait a minute, I'm way taller than these guys. I'm going to you know, be more of a, of a guy that crashes the boards, gets us some second chance points. Uh, he had three assists, three turnovers, but uh, but I thought he played a smarter second half than Tatum did. So, um, But again, the Bulls did a pretty effective job. I was curious to see, you know, being so shorthanded, how those bench minutes were going to go too. Uh, I thought we had to stay, you know, relatively even with them during the bench minutes. And I thought the Bulls did that. You know, we, we got things out of, like you said, Malcolm Hill, uh, even though Tony Bradley, I'm not impressed with him overall. I thought he had a de- very decent game tonight. Um, and, you know, just I, I just felt like um, it never felt like they could put on a run that was more than like eight, you know, seven, eight, nine points. Right. Uh, it was more like a run, they would make a run. We would make a run. They'd make a run. So it was a good basketball game. Yeah, it was it was really an excellent game. That first quarter, the Bulls got out to a quick lead, but then Boston jumped right back on them, got up to like I think a twelve point lead, and the Bulls had to claw their way back. And Boston would, you know, kind of they'd let the Bulls creep in, and then they'd push back out to the lead. I think until like the fourth quarter, but it was it was a nice back and forth game. And like you, I was really sweating the the bench minutes. And they were able to to not drown. And when you're down this many guys not drowning in your bench minutes, that that's a huge win for any team. Yeah, and um, I was looking at the at the lineup we had on the court, like towards like last two minutes or a minute and a half of the first quarter. It was uh, Ayodisumu, Troy Brown Jr., Matt Thomas, <laughs> Alfonso McKinney, and Tony Bradley. Uh, that's not the most inspiring lineup, and and I was kind of curious where the offense was going to come from. Thank goodness though that I had the game that he had because that really kept us in it. And in those minutes without Demar uh, or Vooch on the floor, I felt you know he was definitely the, the go-to guy tonight. Uh, him and Kobe White. Don't don't get don't take anything away from Kobe White either. Uh, Kobe ended up with uh, 19 points, seven of 16 shooting, uh, which is pretty you know average. Five of 10 from beyond the arc, which is just incredible. I hope he keeps that up. Uh, five assists, so he had a very good game also. But Kobe and Io uh, were those guys. Um, but but Kobe was off the floor at those times, so there were like maybe five six minutes in the game where there wasn't a, wasn't even a Kobe White, and that's when Io really shined, right? Yeah, it really was. Uh, I think that that lineup you mentioned there towards the end of the first quarter is the uh, the big red flag for the Billy Donovan rotations from tonight, but. The announcers even mentioned normally that Zach, you know, Zach's normally in that time. Lonzo's mm-hmm. normally in that time. Having both of those guys out, I, uh, yeah, he just he realized he was going to have to be the guy, and he just continued to continues to step up into whatever role is needed. And he, I just can't, I can't speak highly enough about how talented he ju- he continues to be. Yeah, he yeah, only and- went three of three from from three point line tonight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Billy did put some of the onus. Billy Donovan did put some of the onus on himself for um, the the two, you know, absolute terrible basketball games we just witnessed. And uh, said he was going to be a better coach. And I thought tonight uh, he really proved that with the rotation. So um, can't give him enough credit there. Uh, one thing I was watching, I got to give Celtics a little credit for was um, Ennis Cantor, Ennis Freedom, sorry, um, got some minutes tonight. And when he was on the floor, the Bulls were smart with that too. Uh, another little notch there for Billy Donovan, but they were attacking him the much the way that people attack Vooch uh, and that they were, you know, the Bulls were putting him in the pick and roll and just taking advantage of the fact that Ennis just wants to play drop coverage over and over and over again. And uh, we got some easy buckets off of it, but then I saw the Celtics, you know, just give them a little credit. Um, they adjusted to it and they started getting some hard hedges, some doubles on the ball off of it. And then, you know, the rotation would come over to help with the guy that's rolling. 
Um, so I'm hoping the Bulls take some notes, man, because when they Vooch is, is taken advantage of here, there are ways in which we can mask that. Right. And I, I think that I think the Celtics did a, a, a pretty decent job of that after the first couple of times that they uh, took advantage of Ennis. I, I agree. They Boston's I think they've they've been one of like the top five best defensive teams in the league, um, maybe top 10. But I know they've been excellent lately. Part of that is, you know, their ability to rotate, their ability to help and, you know, kind of mask the mistakes of others. I I would love to see the Bulls find ways to kind of neutralize that. I I continue to come back to that you know to the scatter defense where mm. when you see, when you see Vooch's guy going up to get in the pick and roll, just have somebody run off of a three point shooter and have Vooch run over to him. If you're gonna you know if if a team is gonna beat you with their third or fourth best guy shooting contested above the break three point shots, you know. I feel like that's a an okay strategy to have to not expose Vooch, but doing things differently. The Bulls' defense against Tatum worked tonight because we were throwing different things at him. They didn't know what was coming. They they had to kind of be on their heels a little bit. The Bulls need to continue to do that against other teams, so they can't just continue to punish punish Vooch and know what the Bulls are going to do. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest key is being yeah. able to throw them curveballs. Yes, yes. And I thought the, the Celtics did a great job with that, so I hope they watch some tape and uh, Billy gets a little inspired there or one of the assistant coaches does and uh, the Bulls impl- implement a little bit of that into their game plan also. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, – here's where we really miss Javante Green – and we really miss Derek Jones Jr. And anyone that can, you know, leap high. Robert Williams, Time Lord, had at least five lobs for for alley-oops tonight. Like, you know, anytime that Vooch had to step over and um, meet the ball handler in the lane, it was just an automatic lob to, to Robert Williams. And that's where you have a guy like, you know, Derek Jones Jr. that can just have that athletic ability to go up there and contest that kind of, you know, play. Uh, and we just didn't have that tonight, so it was just it was just easy pickings for the for the Celtics. I felt like I actually I had written down. I wonder if lobs are counted. This might be the most lobs completed <laughs> in any game this year. The, just relentless, over and over. Robert mm. Williams, he and he's so he's so long. He can go up and get those. And the Bulls, they were just. I couldn't believe how small they were. Like I, McKinney seemed, everyone seemed small on the Bulls except for Vucevic tonight. Mm-hmm. Even, even DeRozan because he was stuck guarding Al Horford so often. Like he just, he just seemed small out there compared to who he had to guard. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but we're going to get some of these guys back. Um, hopefully, we'll be getting Caruso back soon. I know he's been ruled out. I believe even for the next game. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think uh, he's supposed to come back against the Cavs. Okay, okay, good. Next Wednesday, so, and, and that's not necessarily size, but uh, at least it's another body, and it's a guy that can play some defense. So you know, looking forward to that. Obviously, Derek Jones Jr. is out for several weeks, so uh, we're not going to have him for a while. Um, Javante Green, I haven't heard anything about him. Last I heard, he was out for a few weeks, so hopefully, um, we're about a week away from having him back. Uh, Zach Levine, um, you know, obviously he's got that MRI, no structural damage, which is what we thought. Um, good news. Uh, no telling how long exactly he's going to be out, but he should, should miss more in another game. I wouldn't think maybe another game or two. 
uh, and he should be back. So, um, yeah, we'll be full health again, I think, you know, within about a week or two. I think we just need to chill and just kind of ride this wave right now. Um, three losses in a row is not ideal. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, we are still sitting in first, I believe, by maybe half a game. Uh, I'll have to check the standings here real quick. Correct. Yep, half a game in first over the the Nets who won tonight. Uh, and the Heat are just one game behind us, and the Bucks are two games behind us. But you know what? Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, if we don't end up being first in the in the conference, it's not the end of the world. I don't mind us, you know, finishing fourth, fifth, even sixth, as long as we stay out of the play. And I think I, I think I'm happy with that, right? I mean, at this stage, I'd really like to finish in the top four, mm-hmm. personally. Uh, but that's just that's just me thinking that we're one of the four best teams in the East. Mm-hmm. I, I can't argue that. I mean, you know, after seeing these teams play, um, you know, I, I would put the Bucks up there, obviously, and the Nets. I think those are probably two that are in a tier of their own. Uh, the Heat, I think, can give us a run for the money. So I, I think there's definitely an argument for three teams to be ahead of us. I don't know if I have confidence in the Sixers right now, but if they can pull off a trade uh, for Ben Simmons or and get someone back that's, you know, going to be impactful, which could happen. Uh, I could see it happening. So, you know, fifth, uh, the Cavs, um, you know, I, I think they're having a great season, but I, I think the Bulls are better than the Cavs uh, in my heart of hearts. So, uh, so yeah, I think definitely a top five team. But, uh, you know, I have to give – I also have to throw the Raptors in there too because the Raptors are just playing incredibly uh, right now, and they've really turned it around. Um, I think they've won – I don't know how many in a row, but they just beat the Bucks tonight. So, uh, they it, it's uh, – a Going to be a tough series if you get the Toronto Raptors in a seven-game series, I think. Yeah, they're seven and three in their last ten games. They've mm-hmm. they've really come on. Mm-hmm. Um, Demar Derozan, one one last uh, little credit here to uh, again a pretty good basketball game. Unfortunately, the Bulls didn't win. Uh, had two chances at the end there. I mean, like you said, Vooch had that wide open three. Uh, now let, let me ask you something, Trey. That last play when Vooch caught that inbounds pass. He had a wide open lane to the basket. He literally was like leaning towards the basket at one point. And if he would have just spun and put one dribble down, he would have been right to the basket for a little bunny, wide open. Because they weren't even he was playing the uh, I don't know who was playing defense on him, but whoever it was Jalen Brown. Okay, yeah, he was definitely playing. It was Jalen Brown, really. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, because I was like, I, I was very frustrated that he didn't just like put it put him in the post and dunk all over him. Yeah, do, yeah, just like he did and his freedom uh, in the third quarter, uh, just dunk all over that little guy. Um, yeah, so that, that was a little disappointing, but they still got two really good shots out of it, you know. Uh, Vooch got a wide open three, obviously uh, didn't hit it. Demar gave him a little pat on the chest afterwards and said, "Yeah, no big deal. You should take that every time." Which I agree, it was the right shot. And then Demar got a, a rebound. And uh, it puts up an air ball. I, I don't get how. I mean, I get that you don't make the shot, but. How do you airball that man? That's a little that's a little disappointing, but it, still, it's a good look. I'll take it, right? I'm calling it overcorrection for worrying about his adrenaline, <laughs> like thinking, all right, you got to be soft, you got to be soft, don't you know, not too hard. And he definitely didn't shoot it too hard. <laughs> he it, definitely did not. It, it really was such a letdown, though. Like Vucevic, you know, gets the shot, he misses, but Demar gets the ball, and you're like, oh, he's gonna get to throw something up. Mm-hmm. And after those back-to-back buzzer beaters, you know, DeMar can do no wrong. We think he's going to make everything at the end mm-hmm. of at the end of a shot clock. 
And then to just watch the ball fall so short because it wasn't it was a it was an air ball and a half. It wasn't close yeah. at all. It was just like, oh, he had a shot. Er- he had a shot earlier. He had a shot earlier in the season just like that, too, uh, where it was a game winner and he just airballed it. And it was like, what? Come on, dude. Like, <laughs> really? Um, but, you know, again, like you said, he's hit enough of them. Um, and, and honestly, you're going to miss at least half of them uh, when you take them. I mean. You know, best shooters in the NBA are shooting 45% or so. So, um, you know, you're going to miss more than you make it. So you can't really – just like I think Giannis said something to the effect of, like, you just have to, like, just move on. Just, it's just got to roll off your back, man. Like, how many, you know, game winners yeah. have I missed, you know? Right. And I think the fact that, at least for me, I expected DeMar's shot to have a chance. Yeah. Every time he shoots the ball, I expect it to have a chance. And as long as he continues to be that successful, I think that's the goal. When you have when you have your guy and he's shooting at the end of the game, do you have confidence in him? And no matter how contested DeRozan is, I have confidence that he's taking a good shot. That's the level he's been playing at. Fourteen points in that fourth quarter, uh, six of six from the line, continues to get to the free throw line in the clutch um, and just force the issue. Uh, I love it. I love to see it. I'm sure fantasy lovers love to see it, too. I'm sure anyone that played him uh, in fantasy and daily fantasy loves to see it. So, hey, guys, also want to announce that we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos. That's Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit. And the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Uh, but, yeah, he continues to be the uh, king of the fourth and uh, saving his fantasy lines in that fourth quarter. Um, didn't do a whole lot outside of scoring, but he ended up almost having a triple-double. He was kind of uh, flirting with it. He ended up with, uh, I think, seven boards and eight eight assists or something like that. Uh, Got to get back to my all periods. There we go. Seven re- or eight rebounds, seven assists. I had that flipped around. So he was flirting a little bit with a triple-double there. Um, did, did what he had to do. Had a decent game. Don't think he had an amazing game, but uh, but pretty good for DeMar, right? Yeah, he had, a, he had a pretty good game, all things considered. I think the Celtics really made it a focus. They didn't want DeMar to beat them. And Kobe and Io were able to take advantage of that. So... The t- I think the Bulls overall they played a good game. They they just you know were shorthanded. They lost to a pretty good Celtics team, and you you win some, you lose some. I, I'll take that game any day. You know, considering the, again considering the circumstances, I'll take that kind of game any day of the week. Yeah. So a good effort. Bulls fall a little bit short. Um, the end score here. I don't think I ever said it. Uh, was the Bulls uh, got to move Trey out of the way, 112 to the Celtics, 114, uh, lose by two points, unfortunately, but uh, still a well-fought game. And uh, speaking of taking advantage, Trey, you know our listeners can take advantage of a special offer we have here. Stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back from with ExpressVPN, head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, we are Sports Ethos, 
Hoopball is our old name, so it is Hoopball. Uh, to get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription, it's super easy. Turning it on just takes one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash Hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Grab those three bonus months now. Go do it, go do it, go do it. Um, but yeah, so Trey. You and I uh, hosted a little show before this one called Bold Statements, Not So Bold Predictions. Uh, and in this this show, uh, we tried to be smarter than uh, everyone else and uh, give each each team's win total uh, before the season started. So we we, gave, we just gave our best guesses. Uh, we had some over-unders, so we had a little bit of help here uh, based on what Vegas thought. And we basically just you know, went from there and just came up with our own guesses. And uh, tonight... The Bulls uh, dropping this game to the Celtics. This is game number 41, my friend, which would, if you are a mathematician, put us exactly halfway through the NBA season for the Chicago Bulls. So we are at the halfway point. I want to just go back and recap what we thought here uh, about our Eastern Conference. A little bit, a little bit of know thine enemy uh, here, Trey, because uh, we're higher on some teams, lower on some other teams. But we can talk about each of these teams a little bit. And uh, where they stand, and if they're doing better or worse than what we thought. So let's go by um, the standings that they are. Obviously, we've got the Bulls, so we can just skip them. The Bulls are in first. Brooklyn Nets are in second. They currently have 27 wins halfway through. That would put them on pace to win. Uh, well, I think they have. Let me see. I don't know if they've played half their games. We'll just, we'll just for the sake of ease, we'll say everyone's played half their games. So 27 times two, that put them on pace for 54 wins. Trey. Where did you have them for wins? Um, you had that. I had 56. them at fifty. Yeah, yeah, fifty-six wins. Tell me a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets. What do you see in there? Uh, if we were to get them in a playoff series, what do you think? Can we beat them? Uh, let's say Kyrie Irving is playing. <laughs> I, I'm gonna sound like a homer, but assuming <laughs> Patrick Williams comes back, I I think the Bulls can play with any team in the league. I. Uh, I think the Nets would be a very difficult team to match up against, but I think Vucevic would be able to have nights like he had tonight. And if he can continue to thrive, I think the Bulls, they win healthy. If you have Patrick Williams, if you have Javante Green, Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, if you have all four of those guys to throw you know, all, don't forget Io. Don't forget, you know, Troy Brown Jr. To the throw at Harden, to throw at Durant and Kyrie, that's a lot of bodies to to throw at them. A lot of quality defenders, and I think the the Bulls would match up fairly well against them. Uh, it looks like the Nets have a 64% winning percentage. I had them at a 68%. So I thought they'd be a little bit better. Yeah. But you know, Kyrie's back, so I think yeah, that's this... gonna help. This was, you know, in, in the preseason, we weren't too sure what was going to happen with Kyrie. We were, um, I think I was a little bit more under the pressure. I had them at 57 wins, so I had them even a win higher than you. Uh, I think we were under the impression that Kyrie was going to, you know, get the vaccine at some point and was just kind of um, making his point, and he had made his point. But that didn't happen, obviously. He's, he's, as far as I know, he's still unvaccinated, uh, which means he just can't play in any home games. Um, you know, really unfortunate for them, but uh, could end up being really good for for us if we end up facing them in the playoffs. Uh, I think they definitely need Kyrie to be a clear favorite in any in any uh, you know series. 
Um, without Kyrie, I think the Bulls really do have a chance. With Kyrie, I think um, that offense is just really hard to stop. Um, but if the Bulls, I think it would hinge on getting Patrick Williams back. I think the Bulls were the Bulls were a top uh, three defense with Patrick Williams in there. When Patrick Williams went down, they slipped to a little bit more like a you know top eight, tops top six to eight defense. And then Caruso went down and, and, you know, other people went down and suddenly the bulls are like, you know, middle of the road defense. They're not, they're, they're a little bit better than average uh, on most nights. Some nights they're absolutely terrible. So, um, you know, we see a real effect there. And I think, you know, this is where we're talking about the, the uh, value of Patrick Williams. Um, this is where people are selling him short is the defensive side of the basketball. And they just don't realize how important he is to that having a guy now it doesn't have to be Patrick Williams it can be I don't think Jeremy Grant's the guy but it can be like a you know I would say maybe a Pascal Siakam I would say um you know Robert Covington you know somebody that can switch uh one through four and help out with the deficiencies that we've seen with Vooch so uh what I'm saying uh long-winded a little bit but uh yeah if we have Patrick Williams back I think that we do have a chance against the Brooklyn Nets Speaking of selling people short, the Miami Heat, I thought they would win 47 games. So when, you know, like 57%, they have a 62% winning percentage right now. They they are exceeding my expectations, and that that was without Bam, who is just now getting ready to come back. So I think the Heat are primed to be, you know, second half a second-half team that – the NBA is going to look at and be like, oh, wait a minute. We need to take Miami seriously come playoff time. And I think they've overachieved. So good for the Heat. Yeah, um, the Heat are interesting. And uh, it's really interesting that they've done that without Jimmy Butler for the most part. Uh, and Bam Adebayo. Um, so two of their best players, probably their two best players, have been out this whole time. And they're still sitting third in the Eastern Conference standings, which is just incredible. Um, now I'm going to flip the script here and Trey, and I'm going to say that's actually not necessarily a great thing. Uh, because when the playoffs start, we all know everyone starts zero, zero, doesn't matter what your regular season you know record was. Um, and it's just a different ball game. It's a different intensity. Uh, rotations are shortened right now. The heat are getting a lot of production out of like Max Struess and, uh, year seven, Omer year seven. And, um, you know, some guys that just, they're probably not going to see sniff the floor, when it comes to the playoffs, I don't think, you know, people get excited about these guys, um, especially when it's like a nobody, a, a no name that, you know, comes out of nowhere and they're having big games. And I get that. And I get excited, too, uh, especially when it comes to fantasy. But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to have a eight to nine player rotation in the playoffs. And, you know, they, they're not playing with Jimmy Butler right now. They're going to expect him to play big minutes when it comes time for playoffs. They're not playing with Bam Adebayo, but he's coming back. So we'll see how he fits in uh, when he gets back there. But I'd have a little bit of concern if I was you know, a Heat fan just because um, the guys that are playing right now aren't the guys that are going to be playing in the playoffs. So we, you really don't – there's still a little, bit of, a little bit of a question mark to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I have faith that come playoff time, Jimmy Butler is going to be out there playing 40 minutes a night and do, do just fine. I think Bam's going to be out there. And so to me, I'm banking on that when I say – you know, the second half of the season, I expect Jimmy to play, you know, at least probably the last 10, 15, 20 games. And, you know, Bam's going to come back and just be fantastic because he's Bam. So I think I think they're going to continue to rise. Um, I don't I think the Bucks though. I think they're going to be better than them. What do you think? 
Um, no, I, I, I'm a believer. I mean, if you're talking about the regular season, they might end up with a better record, sure. But I think if you're talking about the postseason, uh, the Bucks, who are currently sitting fourth uh, in Eastern Conference standings, I'm, I'm taking the Bucks all day. I think my Bucks are my favorite to come out of the East. Uh, I had them at 52 wins. Uh, and Trey, you had them at uh, 52 wins also. So we both had them at 52 wins. They are currently at 27. If we double that, that'd be 54 wins. So, yeah, about um, where we said they were going to be. Um, I don't think, and I think, you know, we, we were kind of on this to begin with. I don't think they're, they were going to take at least the first part of this regular season super seriously. Um, there's a little bit of a rest period because they played into the finals, obviously. And then they had Middleton and Drew Holiday go overseas to uh, the Olympics. And so, you know, they, they just sat everybody for the first month of the season, basically. Uh, Brick Lopez has been out, who I think is a big piece for them. Uh, but Bobby Portis has, has uh, stepped in and played really well for them. So uh, I think this Bucks team is still scary, man. What do you think? Yeah, they're my favorites to win the title. If I had to pick one team that I thought was, you know, the best team in the league, I think I'm still picking the Bucks over the Nets. Uh I think we were pretty spot on with the 52 wins, I, but come playoff time, they're, they're the team that I am most afraid of. Yeah, and um, a big pickup for them, uh, Grayson Allen. I want to go ahead and mention that just because I've uh, talked crap about that guy in the past. Still not my favorite player in the world. Still want to punch his face. Uh, but at the same time, he's playing really well for them, hitting hitting big shots. So uh, go, buddy, go. You're doing pretty well. The Sixers sit in fifth place, though. Fifth place for the Sixers uh, without Ben Simmons. Uh, Joel Embiid just carrying them. 25 wins, so they're on pace for about 50 wins. Uh, probably a little under because it looks like they've played more than 41, but we'll say 50 wins. Trey, you had them at uh, 45, and uh, Sir Keith had them at about 49, which is probably pretty close to their uh, pace here. So, so you're a little lower on them. Talk to me a little bit about the Sixers. I didn't expect Maxi to play as well as he has, mm. honestly, and I didn't expect him be to have played as many games as he has um, this year. I I thought they would, you know, be a little bit further back. Like you said, they they've played a few more games, so you're probably right on spot with the 49 in terms of on pace, and. You know, it's still a long year. If Embiid has a stretch where he misses two weeks, they could very easily, they could very easily have a three-game losing streak, just like the Bulls did. So, I'm not holding it. I'm not hold. You know, I haven't given up on my 45-win prediction for them yet. Yeah, they um, you know, they started off super hot. They were uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and two in their first ten games. Then Embiid went out, and they lost uh, one, two, three, four, five in a row, and then they lost uh, six, seven, seven out of nine of those games with Embiid out. They're just a terrible team without Joel Embiid. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and he definitely has an injury history. Uh, and they lost. There's another game he missed on the 13th of December that they also lost. So uh, that'd be eight out of ten, if my math is correct. Uh, games where he's missed, they have lost those games. So, um, you know, just. Uh, they need to have him out there. I think that they're still looking to get a, a guard back uh, for Ben Simmons. You know, there's a lot of names being throw, floated around, Darren Fox and stuff like that. But uh, we'll see if it happens. If it doesn't, I still think they're a very solid team. But, yeah, come playoff time, they don't necessarily scare me too much without uh, without Ben, uh, you know, if they're relying so much on Embiid. So, um, but they're having a good season. Yeah, uh, Cleveland- they are. Yeah. Are you are you ready? Are you ready? To yeah, just go ahead. Eat go ahead. It? You, you do that. You do the Cleveland Cavaliers. Go ahead. So I I have my spreadsheet pulled up 
and I see that I have Cleveland predicted for 26 wins on the season. <laughs> and then I go and I look at the standings, and I see that the Cleveland Cavaliers have 26 wins right now. Yes, they do. And maybe I they'll, groan. Maybe they'll lose out. Maybe they'll lose out. You never know. And I groan, and I'm like, man, this is a bad take. I, I hate that I have to talk about this. Yeah. But then I looked at yours, Keith, <laughs> and I was like, man, at least I'm not Keith. Yeah, I had him a little bit worse. It's true. They had a big comeback win tonight against the OKC Thunder, too. I was watching that, or watching the, the score a little bit, watching the play-by-play. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't uh, – I would say the big miss for me is Evan Mobley. I didn't expect him to be this good right now uh, in his rookie season. I just never expect rookies to be that good. LaMelo took me a little bit by surprise last season, too. Um, so, you know, Evan – and, and not, not just the fact that he's – playing well like if he was a lamella ball playing well i don't think they have this many wins this early but he is a seven footer that changes the entire dynamic of the game he this guy i've only seen a few Cavs games but this guy's incredible man he gets from one side of the floor in like record time like he's just he's all limbs he's he's just long he's athletic He's really a lot of fun to watch. I, I'm really happy for Cavs fans that they have this guy that they can watch him. And obviously, um, you know, pairing him with Jared Allen and Laurie Markin, and there's just a lot of size there that gives a lot of tiny teams nightmares. This is actually my nightmare matchup for the Bulls if we were to get them in the playoffs. What about you? I think I agree with that, especially after seeing what the Celtics were able to do with the size they have. Allen and Mobley together, the the Twin Towers, uh, just the defensive ability that those guys have. It's it's so much fun to watch as a, somebody who grew up as the tallest, you know, the tallest kid in my grade. So I, I was always playing center and just that fun, you know, that defensive blocks, just contesting everything. And Garland has continued to just be excellent. You mentioned their comeback tonight. Garland finished with 27 points and 18 assists. Yeah. He had his first triple-double ever the other night. He's yeah. He's been playing just an ex, just excellent basketball. Yeah. It's His year this year reminds me of Trey Young's year last year in terms of breakout stardom. Yeah, and uh, you know a little bit of miss on my part because I did, in fantasy, I swooped him up in at least a few leagues because I, I did think that he was going to have Good a possibility. Yeah, he had a possibility to jump this year. Uh, you know, it could happen. It could not happen. It did happen. He's having an incredible year. Um, I think one blessing in disguise for them is the injury to Colin Sexton. It allowed them to really free up more um, you know, usage for Darius Garland, which I think was absolutely the right call. They should have done it earlier. But, you know, sometimes a uh, little happy accidents happen. Ask uh, ask Mr. Bob Ross. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, so Charlotte Hornets are next. They're at 23 wins, so they're on pace for about 46 wins. I had them at 38. Uh, and you, Sir Trey, had them at 34. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. T- tell me a little bit about the Charlotte Hornets. The areas where I thought they would struggle, they have struggled. They're the worst rebounding team in the league. They are just supremely undersized. But what I didn't expect was for them to be as healthy as they've been. I Mm. thought with Gordon Hayward, with LaMelo Ball having, you know, struggling with injuries before, Rozier being a smaller guy, getting older in age, I I thought they'd have guys miss time, and they've, they've just been on the floor every night. And that leads to wins in seasons like this. Yeah. 
health has helped out a lot and uh and, and just miles bridges man miles bridges has come on um similarly to darius garland uh he had just a jump in his game uh and this is another guy you know if i'm looking at like an mobley type um you know he, he he's I think a guy miles that bridges is probably the favorite for most improved player Oh yeah, definitely, and and he's he's a guy that uh, you know again just affects affects the fabric of the game just by having all that length, all that athleticism, um, just changes how things are happening. It's like you know Mikhail Bridges is kind of that that prototype too. It's just you know you have a guy like that, uh, and your team just kind of takes off. I mean, I hope teams take notice, you know, uh, which is really scary if you go back to Cleveland Cavaliers. They have Isaac Okoro who hasn't taken off yet, but I think that guy has that that same frame. Uh, he needs to get his offense together, but I think he has that ability on the defensive side of the basketball. Um, the, so yeah. yeah, their big three. Uh, Miles Bridges has missed two games this year. Gordon Hayward has missed one game, and then Lamelo has missed six. So yeah, having crazy. those guys out there every night, like that's just been huge for them. Terry Rozier, I think, did miss like the first uh, month or something of the season, but he's been pretty. Yeah, he's missed. Then. He's missed nine games. Yeah. So, nine. You know that that's that's a good chunk. So that you know that's one of the reasons I I didn't read him off. But even that, thirty four games, that's not bad at all out of forty three. Considering, you know, if that's your wor- if that's your worst injury concern this year, that that's a win. Toronto Raptors, they haven't played. 41 games yet. They've played 40 games as of tonight. Uh, so they're not even halfway through the season. 21 wins for this Toronto Raptors team. I know the over-under was way low. Uh, we were both higher on them. Higher on them. You had them at 38 wins, Trey. I had them at 39. Um, I just, I love what this team's doing. I love, I love, I, Toronto Raptors might be my favorite Eastern Conference team to watch outside of the Chicago Bulls, obviously. Uh, which is a weird thing to say. You know, most people are going to be like, oh, I like to watch the Brooklyn Nets. I like to watch the Miami Heat. What's the Miami Heat are fun, too? Uh, I don't mind watching them. I like to watch the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, yeah, okay, great. Uh, I, I'm a Toronto Raptors fan, man, uh, if I'm not one Bulls fan, because uh, I just love that they have five guys, basically. I mean, not Fred Van Vliet. They have four guys, we'll say, that are all this guy that I'm talking about that just, you know, again, gets from one side of the floor, just athleticism, uh, long uh, their length is just incredible. Uh, Pascal Siakam's come back and played like a, a like an all-star. Fred Van Vliet, uh, not one of those long guys, but man, take, getting Lowry out of there and giving him the ball in his hands, like we said in the preseason, it's good things will happen, man. And this guy has uh, just taken off uh, this season. I, if he doesn't make the all-star game, I, I don't know what people are thinking because this guy absolutely deserves to be an all-star. Um, so man, just top to bottom, their whole roster, obviously Scott, Scott Barnes, they hit, he, they hit big on Scott Barnes. OJ Anubi has been injured for like half the season, but in the games he's played, he's been incredible. He's been really well for them. So played really well for them. And then they've got, you know, a, a three headed monster, four headed monster at the center there. They got, uh, Ken Birch. They've got Chris Boucher. They've got, uh, who am I forgetting here? Precious um, Achua. Precious Achua. They just got, they've got so many just so many dudes that are like it's like they're all the same player almost but like different varying levels of, of, of different skills uh, i love this team man they're a lot of fun how about you <laughs> yeah they they've found ways to find length and just completely close passing lanes it's like you said they're insanely fun to watch i think cleveland is probably my eastern conference team my favorite eastern conference team to watch that's not the bulls but toronto and charlotte are both right there and Hitting on Scotty Barnes, that's that's a huge win for the Toronto Raptors. I I thought they might draft him simply because he fit the mold of what they were building, but 
the ability he's had to just come in and excel on the court at the NBA level, it's it's been really good to see for them. And Fred VanVleet should be an all-star. Siakam's been playing like an all-star lately. They, their trajectory is trending up, and I'm mad I didn't pick them for more than 38 wins. We were high on them. Why weren't we higher? <laughs> Cleveland. Cleveland. I don't know about this place, man. I just stayed in my hotel room, man. Every time I look out my window, it's pretty depressing out there, man. It's bad. It's bad. No. No going out in Cleveland, man. It's all factories. Joakim Noah. <laughs> he doesn't like Cleveland, and I don't like Cleveland either. But no, it's okay. I, they, they are a really, really fantastic team. I, I don't mind that you like watching them, Trey. Um, so we've got uh, the Washington Wizards next in the standings, actually, which is kind of surprising to me. Um I know I was not high on them, uh, and I, I'm embarrassed to say what I had them at. Let, let me just look here. I had them at 30 wins, and they're currently sitting at, uh, what, 22 wins? So uh, yes. they've been pretty bad recently, but uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to beat 30 wins. Uh, you had them, Trey, at uh, 35, so that, that's probably more realistic. I, I think they're probably still going to beat that. Um, they're, they're, I'm, happy you know, with, I'm, I'm happy with my guess. I, I'm I'm very satisfied with how it's played out. Dinwiddie, uh, he has his good games and bad, but it it really seems like less is more for them with Beal. The you know the games he has less than 20 shots. I don't have any numbers, but I wonder what the record is in games where they have le- you know where Beal has less than 20 field goal attempts, and then compared to more or maybe 15. But to me, Washington they they were a team that was always going to be a little frisky. And who knew about Kyle Kuzma? Did you pick him up in fantasy? I did not. No, I don't. Oh. I don't like him. <laughs> no, I should have though. No, he definitely seems like a guy that's on Keith's hate list. Like uh, him, I just don't. I don't like Jeff him, yeah. Curry. Too, too flashy. LeBron. Too flashy for me. No, I, I, I don't. I used to. I used to be. I'm a reformed LeBron hater. I'm not a LeBron hater anymore. I was a LeBron hater back in the uh, obviously the the Derrick Rose days. When he was preventing us from from winning what I thought was a championship we we deserved, uh, but no, I've come around, LeBron. I like LeBron, um, but no, I, I don't like uh, Kuzma. Uh, he's a little flashy for me, but it's okay, man. He's having a great great season. Um, like you said, um, they started really hot. The Wizards did. I know that they were in first for a while, um, and they've they've just dropped. And you know, I'm kind of happy to see that because I just I'm not high on this team. I don't think they're uh, constructed very well. I think that they had. Uh, the variance is starting to come the other way, I think. Um, let's see, in their last 10, they are, they're 5-5, five and five, so they're doing okay in their last 10. Uh, but they had a streak of, like, you know, something like six or seven losses in 10 games or something like that. It, it was it was not good for a while there. Uh, Brad Beal is starting to come come around. He was playing, like, like crap for a while, uh, but now he's starting to play a little bit better. And they got hit with COVID pretty bad in the last couple of weeks, too. So, uh, you know, they're probably better than they give them credit for. But uh, not a team that I enjoy to watch and not a team that I think is, uh, I think, very highly of. Okay, so the New York Knicks. How about the New York Knicks, man? Uh, right. The, the, Wiz- the Wizards are 22 and 21 and trending downward. I think the Knicks are 22 and 21, and I think they're at least trending even. Yeah, yeah, they're trending better. They're, they're, they're playing a lot better recently. Um, people need to not chill and not to overreact, just like with this Bulls loss. I mean, it's three losses in a row, but obviously we're not going to overreact, right? So the, I had the, the Knicks uh, set for 43 wins. We'll say they're on pace here for about 44, so you know, pretty pretty good with uh, with that but one there. Up. 
and you had them at 40. And so they're, they're in pace for a few more than that. But uh, I think we both saw a little bit of regression here. I think because we're both kind of um, familiar with Thibodeau and what happens with Thibodeau teams. Uh, you know, that first year that he's over there driving them like, uh, you know, like there is his uh, employees. It's uh, it's all, you know, goes a little bit better than, than it should have because they're just giving a little bit more effort. But you can only keep that up for so long. Uh, so there's a little bit of that at play. Uh, whether or not you believe it, I think there is. Um, and then outside of that, you know, Randall wasn't very wasn't good for a while, and now he's really starting to turn it around and play better. I think I think that's really helped them also. Yeah, Randall's been playing better. I think R.J. Barrett has really had mm, a, yeah. a really good last couple weeks. Uh, and I I don't really I I don't have I haven't watched the Knicks enough to really be able to comment a lot, but I know Randall has been playing better, and I wonder if part of that is because of RJ playing better. Mm-hmm. Randall and Barrett they're just they're just they're so important to that Knicks offense because you know they brought in Kimball Walker, and I don't think either of us thought the Kimball Walker experiment was going to go well, but it's yeah. went him and him and Fournier went even worse than we expected. Derrick Rose has been out, mm-hmm. and I think that they just. They have to ask a lot of their of their stars. Yeah, Julius Randle, I think um, you don't need the ball. When the ball's not in his hands as much as it has been, he plays better. When he's not expected to do as much. Um, and I think it's it, that's been happening more because 48 has been playing better also recently. And like you said, R.J. Barrett has really been the guy that's taken off. Um, so when he's not expected to just like handle the ball 24/7, it's a lot better for them. So I think they'll be better by the end of the season. But uh, I'm not scared of them at all uh, when it comes to playing them in the playoffs. Celtics are next, 22 and 22, exactly 500. They beat us tonight, obviously. Uh, starting to turn around a bit themselves. They're six and four in their last ten, so not super impressive, but uh, playing well, a little need, bit better. I need them to I need them to turn it around a lot more because yeah. I had them for 50 wins. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> you should. I'm at 42 they're on pace here for about 44 so uh definitely more in line with my guess here but i'll, I'll let you take the lead here Trey. tell me about these celtics <laughs> they they need a point guard yeah they need they need a a playmaking guy of some sort i think and the bulls saw it tonight they it you don't want to take the ball like it, it's so hard for boston because you don't want to take the ball out of tatum's hands and out of brown's hands so to me I feel like they really need to try and build an offense that's similar to what the Bulls do with DeMar and Zach and how they find ways to get creative with guys who maybe aren't necessarily the the high they don't have the highest playmaking rating on 2K sort of thing. Yeah. Um the coaching hasn't been inspiring whatsoever. No. Uh he's a first year head coach. Mm-hmm. I expected it to be a little slow. I thought it'd be a little bit better than this. It's just been a, it's been a disappointment in Boston so far this year. And saying that the night they beat the Bulls, that kind of sucks. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah, if you recall, I don't know if you do, but I was very skeptical of uh, Marcus Smart being the starting point guard. I think that's been more than proven that that's just not a good idea. Um, that's just not his role. It's that's not what he's going to do. Um, Dennis Schroeder was not the right call for them. Uh, I don't think he really adds anything uh, to the mix here. 
Uh, you know, Horford's played better than than people expected. I, I kind of expected. I actually have him in a league or two also because I expected him to have kind of a little bit of resurgence. He was just kind of hidden in, in OKC for a while because why the heck would OKC play him? Because he's actually good at basketball. So they didn't want to win games. So why would they play him? Uh, but now that he's in the, on the Celtics, he's hit, have it playing well. Uh, I'm also pretty skeptical of Robert Williams um, being more than just a role player, which I know is a little bit controversial because a lot of people are big time Lord fans, especially on NBA Twitter. So go ahead and roast me in the comments. Uh, you know, follow me and subscribe or whatever if you agree. Uh, don't do that. But uh, no, it, but I, I am skeptical of him as a uh, an all around player that can really play. You know, 35 plus minutes a night, and they gave him so much money. Um, I just don't think that was a good call. So. Um, you know, I, I had some, I had two main things I was skeptical about though was Marcus Smart at the point guard, and the new coach Emi Adoka, and I think I, I've hit a home run on both of those, uh, just being skeptical about them. So I think you know that's why I'm probably right here, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Tatum and, and Brown, you can never really count them out. Uh, but let's I'm, talk about. I'm still big on Time Lord though. I want to, I, mm. I need people to know that I am in on Time Lord still. Mm. 14 points, 13 rebounds, six assists tonight on eight shots. Yeah. No, he puts up numbers, man. He definitely does. I just think that he went there five are... of eight, and I think all five of them were probably lob dunks. Yeah. And I think and I think there are deficiencies in this game, but uh, but I digress. We can definitely re- circle back and revisit that in a few years. Um, well, let's talk about where I was absolutely wrong, uh, and that's the Atlanta Hawks sitting on 17 wins for the season. 17 wins. They're on pace for about 34 wins here. I had them, Trey. At, uh, at 50 wins. So that's my big miss there. Um, my thinking. At the I had them is, at 44. Yeah, you had them at 44. You're, you're, but I'm missing way worse than you are. So so my main thinking was, um, you know, this team, they, they just popped off as soon as. Um, uh, oh, gosh, I can't think of his name now. Uh, Nate, uh, the, the coach, took over. Maybe uh, Millen. There you go. Maybe Millen took over uh, and they just took off. So I thought, you know, another year under, under their belts. Uh, this crew was coming back. They were returning everybody. Nothing really changed as far as roster went. Uh, so I just thought, man, they're going to take off, man. They had a really they, – they took off in the in the playoffs. They kind of like the Bulls did against the Celtics that year. And then the next year they had, you know, 50-plus wins. I just thought it was going to be the same thing. And uh, they've, they've just been terrible on defense, man. They can't play defense to save their lives, right? No. They, they've <laughs> been – they've been not – good (laughs) and I think I think a lot of it is at at the beginning of the year I said I thought the Hawks were going to struggle because teams were one going to come into games against the Hawks and know hey we're playing against a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year not hey we're playing against the Atlanta Hawks you know the team that hasn't been good in a while now so they went from being a party city where teams were coming in and maybe not giving it their all to be having a target on their back. And then I also think the way they run their offense, it was, it's very predictable. Mm. And so they weren't catching teams off guard anymore with what they were doing. Everyone knows what Trey Young likes to do. Everyone knows that John Collins is frustrated. So if you can kind of, you know, if you can close him out, he's going to, you know, he's going to get frustrated. Capella likes his lobs. He's the old Robert Williams. Um, Atlanta does what Atlanta does. And that's, that's kind of what I thought they'd do coming in. And it's playing out about like I thought it would. Yeah. A little worse, but. Yeah. Well, speaking of bad and not doing so hot, the Pacers, 15 wins on the season so far. 
Uh, pretty much on pace for about 30 wins here. Uh, probably less than that because there's rumors they're going to blow it up. Man, it's uh, it's rough over there in Indiana. I, I had him at 40. You had him at 39. We were about the same. I mean, I had him a little higher. But uh, Carl, let, 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 let me ask this question. Carlisle, how are we feeling about him now as, as a coach? Oh, I've been out on Carlisle for a while. I think he was my uh, next to last ranked head coach when I did my coach rankings at the beginning of the year. I'm I'm just out on Carlisle. I at the beginning I I gave Indy 39 wins because I I think they have a lot of really good players. I think Carlisle yeah. is an okay enough coach that he he could take that talent and make it successful. He's been successful in Indiana before he, you know, he knows how to win with that franchise, but it's just been, uh, not well in Larry uh, Birdland. Uninspired, uh, basketball to say the least. I think, you know, Miles Turner's on the outs, uh, just un- upset. I think DeMontis Simone's probably isn't very happy. Um, just a lot of just turmoil there. Uh, hard to play basketball when that's happening. Uh, they dealt with their injuries, too. They haven't had T.J. Warren all season. Uh, and Karis LeVert, obviously, uh, was injured for most of the season, too. So uh, that doesn't help things. But at the same time, I just, uh, you know, I looked at the squad. I just I said, hey, there's not really a guy on the squad. There's no the guy. Uh, and that's that's been the case, I think. You know, at the end, the, not even when it comes to the end of the games, when it comes to each offensive possession, it's like, you know, there's no alpha. You know, surprise question for Keith. Yeah. Which roster would you least like to have in the East? Least like to have. For me, it's either the Pacers, the Wizards, or the Knicks. I like the Magic's core better. I like the Pistons' core better. I I like the Hawks. Well, it's a complicated question. I'm going to try to answer it as succinctly as possible. I'm not going to, because you know how I like to go on and on and on. Uh, anyways, I'm going to answer as succinctly as possible. I'm going to say the Wizards. Uh, and I'm going to say that because I just don't know which direction. They're, they're just like, they always seem to be right in the middle of the pack, like the middle of the worst part of the pack. Uh, and, it, you know, they've got contracts that are, you know, a lot of money for people that I just don't really care for. Uh, and so they're not really young. They don't really have talent to win. So, like, what are we doing here? So that's the absolute worst position I can be in. I think the Pacers have enough talent that when they move it, they can you know do a successful rebuild. I just don't see that with the, with the Wizards. See, for me, I didn't pick the Wizards because I would trade Beal, and I think I think you can get a lot of value yeah, for Beal, and then for and then after that, if Kuzma continue, you know, then after that. But okay, I I said that because looking at the standings, I was like we were talking about how disappointed the Pacers are. The Pistons, they've only got ten wins. You know, they're only looking at 20 maybe for the year. But Keg Cunningham has been coming on. I, yeah. I think if I think if you ask, you know, Jeremy Grant hasn't been playing. I think if you ask the Detroit fans, they would be happy with this team, even though they are underperforming by my standards. I thought they'd have 27 wins. Yeah, I had him at 22, so, uh, you know, a little Again, bit more in line. spot on, Keith. Look at you yeah, go. Yeah, look at, look at me go. A little bit, yeah, a little bit more in line with my guests so far. But you're right, Cade's, uh, Cade's been playing better. Uh, I'd be excited to have Cade coming, Cunningham. Uh, I don't think he's going to end up being a superstar. I think he's going to be a very good player in the NBA. Um, so I don't think we need to be too high on Cade Cunningham. But, you know, on this team that he's on right now, uh, I think it's easy to to get, uh, you know, excited about about him. Um 
but yeah, I mean, just you know, I think Pistons fans knew going into this it wasn't going to be pretty. Uh, having, having Kelly Olynyk go down so early was really brutal, I think, because that really um, helped them run their offense. Having that facilitator in the middle, and I don't think Kate Cunningham's really that facilitator. Um, so I think that was that was a really big blow for them, and obviously Jeremy Grant going down uh, just compounded that. Wait, do you, are you are you going on record as saying you think Olenek is a better facilitator than Kate Cunningham? <laughs> um, because I, I was with you. I was with you on Olenek being very important to their team. I was with you with him being an important facilitator as well as stretching the floor. But then you took that Kate Cunningham shot, and I just needed to clarify this for the record. No, no, no. No, no, I think okay. So no, uh, in in a in a vacuum, no. But from the position that he plays, yes. So so yeah, obviously Cade plays point guard, shooting guard. Uh, so from that position, you expect a facilitator. From the power forward, center position, not always, not necessarily. So you know, given given his position on the floor, uh, so if you take it in that in that frame, then then possibly. I won't say yes, but possibly. <laughs> Okay, good hedge, good hedge. <laughs> uh, okay, and so uh, we got a couple more teams here, not too exciting. Uh, we just talked about the Pistons, actually got one more team here. The Orlando Magic, eight wins so far, eight lonely, sad wins. Uh, they're, they've played 43 games already, which is over half the game. So um, I had them at 17 wins, which is pretty spot on right now, unfortunately. You had them at 25 uh, they could they could turn it around I guess but I, I see them. Taking I, I thought more. Isaac was going to play. Yeah, that's true. And so th- that's my that's my excuse. <laughs> the, it's a good I one. Say, I say that I say that though right at the beginning of the year if you told me Jonathan Isaac was putting up the numbers that Franz Wagner is putting up I would be happy with those numbers for for Isaac. So to I can't even use that as a cop-out because Franz is – he's overplayed my expectations so much yeah. that the Isaac absence hasn't, e- hasn't even been as noticed as I think around the NBA as it should have been, g- given how long he's been out with this injury. I would like to see their against-the-spread record because I, I could – I would bet money now that they are uh, you know, positive against the spread because they always are competitive. They, I feel like they've lost a lot of close games, uh, which is unfortunate. But you know, at the same time, it's actually fortunate for them because they can actually be excited. Uh, if you're a fan of the Orlando Magic, you can be excited about that team. And uh, and still, at the end of the day, you're you're losing, so you're getting a better a better uh, you know pick. Uh, so I think so, that's probably the um, ideal situation. <laughs> right right now, I I went to cleaningtheglass.com. Uh, and I sorted by the league spread differential. Orlando is currently the 11th best team in spread differential. They're plus 0.3, mm-hmm. which it, which is a really nice number for them. So you you were right to uh, to mention them being good against the spread. They're almost a top 10 team against the spread. Funny uh, fact: Cleveland number one at plus 7.2, oh, yeah. which is oh, yeah. twi- you know twice as good as the number two team Cleveland at 3.6. But yeah. Not to dis- not to talk too much away from Orlando, who are eleventh. So good call there on the spread. Yeah, I think I, and I think they have things to be excited about. I mean, I'd be excited, you know. I, I think Cole Anthony's a baller, man. I, I do. I think he's kind of underrated. Uh, obviously, he's putting up numbers on a team that's not very good, but I think he can be a very good uh, NBA player. Uh, Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. I think both of those guys are, are nice shots at, at having a, a very good big Co- man. Cole Anthony. Mm-hmm. Kobe White. 
kind of I like do you see them as kind of yeah. like similar kind of players yeah. I do, I do. I think that's a, the similar tier, uh, probably similar players because they both score a lot. Um, yeah, I think Cole might be a better facilitator a little bit, uh, maybe a better ball handler too. But I think Kobe might be a better shooter from beyond the arc. So I think there's a little a small difference there. But uh, I do put them in, in the same tier. I think that's a good comparison. So, uh, but yeah, Franz Wagner had a good season too. But uh, the Orlando Magic are actually a perfect spot here for us to end our show because I want to let you guys know about a couple upcoming guests we're going to have. Uh, we're going to have on Tuesday, we're going to have Buzz on tap, uh, Buzz from on tap over here uh, on Tuesday, just to talk about bulls, just some general bulls knowledge and, and stuff. We're going to come up with some really great questions for, for Buzz. Uh, and also, speaking of the Orlando Magic, on Saturday, January 22nd, before the Magic game, we're going to have uh, a good friend of mine uh, on to talk about the Magic and just to do a pregame here, uh, a, a show just to kind of like you know talk about what we're going to look for in this game. So I'm excited about that. Uh, not going to reveal it just yet because I haven't have it confirmed, but we are going to have a Magic guy on to talk with us about uh, about that team. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hope you are too, Trey. Well, I don't know who he is, so <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of excited, but I'll be more excited once we confirm whoever it is. His name is Dwight Howard. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not Dwight Howard. Don't don't tune in and it's next Kevin Dwight Clark. Howard. Yeah, it's not. It's not anyone that exciting. But you will still love it, all of our faithful listeners. Uh, but hey, quickly before we sign off, we want to also remind you all to use your coupon code Hoopball20 at Manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping, and also check out our pals at mybookie.ag use code hoopball on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well that's gonna do it for us so guys i am keith cork you can find me on twitter at bsbp keith trey where can people find you on twitter at final finally and follow the show at ethos bulls please go follow it go leave us a five-star review on itunes everybody go bulls You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.